0: Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. And you can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video online at fellowshipgj.com or if you're a member here at fellowship church you can give through our church center app this will help us continue to bring the message of christ to our community and beyond again thank you for joining us today and enjoy today's service
1: family how are we doing this morning as you stand with us hey if you are new or you're just in need of breakthrough this morning we want to let you know that the front is always open for you to come down and worship with us we understand as a church family that worship is a weapon we understand that worship is a way for breakthrough we understand that worship is a way of connecting with God and interceding for those around us and so that is exactly what we are going to do this morning so will you praise him with me come on let's go
2: go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Shining the shadow, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty Fortress, you go before us.
3: Good morning, church family. So glad you're here today. We wanted to take a second in the service today to intercede for Ukraine. Um, I think sometimes when big, catastrophic things like this happen, we feel so far away. And sometimes we feel small. And if we don't feel either of those things, sometimes we just don't know what to pray. And so. I want to remind you that your intercession matters, that your prayers matter. And so let's do that here this morning. If you all would just lift your hands. God, you are still God. You are still the King of Kings who can do all things. And Jesus, we cry out to you this morning on behalf of Ukraine and those sweet, helpless people. Jesus, we ask you to intervene. We ask you to bring order and to bring peace. Father God, we ask you to speak to the hearts of leaders. God, to mend the relationship. We ask for your protection, God for your protection, for your provision. Holy Spirit, we ask you to be ever so present to those who need you most right now. We know that you are good, God. We know that you are faithful and we lift these people up to you. We intercede on their behalf for you to make a way For you to come in like only you can do, as the rescue. The God that can, and we believe in this room, the God that will. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.
4: yours God we have your power and so we call upon it now and we ask that you tear down those strongholds in our heart that are holding us back where the enemy has been lying for us for too long God we take that back from him and we declare that we are your sons and daughters we pray that you crown us in your holy boldness in your holy confidence and that whatever battle we are facing you are going to bring us the victory in Jesus name because you God, we love you so, so much. We pray that you open our eyes to you, you open our hearts to you, and that you speak to us today. Tell us what we need to hear. Show us who you are. It's in your precious name that we pray, God. Amen. Well, good morning, fellowship. We're so excited and say hello to the people around you and take your seats we'll be starting here pretty shortly if you are watching from online we are so excited to have you here thank you for joining us this morning we hope that you get so much out of it and that we get to see you very soon in person so we can give you a hug we can reach out to you and we can be shown how to pray for you Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us at this time. I would like to greet any of you that would consider yourselves to be guests or visitors. Thank you for joining us today. We're so excited to have you. If you are a guest or a visitor, we would encourage you to just go ahead and take out your phones and text fellowship to 94000. This is a great way to get in contact with us, to get you connected. We'll have a staff pastor reach out to you, answer any questions you might have, and just give you the next steps. It's a great way to make a big church feel a little bit smaller. If you're visiting with us in person, we encourage you to go out to the information center. There we can, again, answer any of your questions, just meet you, and uh, help you out in your next steps on what you can do here at Fellowship Church as a new visitor. If you have been attending for a little bit and you're wondering, what are? my next steps? What can I do to be a little bit more connected, to get a little bit more involved? We would encourage you after service to go to the east end of the lobby where there's a pergola set up. It will say connect or next steps and that's where you can find out how you can get more involved. We'll give you classes or serving opportunities and help you get signed up for any of that stuff that you might be interested in. Again, thank you for being with us today. At this point, I would like to continue worshiping with the giving of tithings and offerings. If you have come prepared to give, there's so many quick, easy, painless ways. Those will be uplifted on the side screen. You can text to give, you can give online. At the church center app, offering boxes, of course, are on the walls if you're old school and you do checks, all of those are great ways to give. Let me go ahead and pray a blessing over each and every one of us financially. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for being our provider. Thank you that no matter what's happening in the world, no matter what's happening in the market, God, that we know that we can depend on you and we can trust you to always provide for us financially. You're a big God, but you care about these things so deeply, and so I pray for financial blessing over each and every one of us and just a supernatural belief and a trust to know that you've got our backs no matter what we're facing. Pray that you pour out upon us in whatever way that we are needing or lacking. It's in your precious name that we pray, amen. Well, we have so much happening here at Fellowship Church. Go ahead and check out this video for some more information.
2: Hey, everybody. My name's Tim Brown, and I'm the worship
0: pastor at Canyon View Vineyard Church.
3: I'm Amanda Biltman and I'm the worship pastor at Fellowship Church.
0: I'm Winston Saleh. I'm the worship pastor at Life Community Church. We'd love to invite you to this year's Valley Wide Worship Event hosted by Fellowship Church. This is an event for our, all of our
2: churches around the Valley to celebrate who God is and celebrate what He's done in our lives.
3: We are so excited to chase after God's presence on this night. It's Sunday, March 6th at 6 p.m.
0: Yeah, we cannot wait to see you guys there. So, uh, oh.
5: You, you are, are all invited to Valley Wide Worship. worship. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Done
0: it. That was the one. Was yeah. Let's it. keep it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Another event that we have coming up at the end of May is Camp 4640. This is gonna be for your middle schoolers and high schoolers. It will be from May 26th through the 29th and the cost is just $200. Sign up on the Church Center app to make sure that you reserve your spot and also don't forget to put in your roommate requests so we can make sure that your kids have the best time at camp. Pastor Will and his leadership team are gonna be hosting an online Bible study. It's gonna be starting on March 9th on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. It'll be hosted over a Zoom call and they're gonna be working through the Gospel of Luke. They're gonna be studying about Jesus's life, digging deeper into what he says, and hopefully looking more like Jesus by the end of the study. This will be a great opportunity for for our church family here in person, but also if you're a part of our online community, this will be a perfect way for you to connect. So sign up on the church center app and dive deep into God's word. Part one of Pastor Tim's series was so good last week. We cannot wait to see what God has to say about end times. Here we go.
0: Well, hopefully you are with us last week when we started our first uh, session on this End Times series. Within that session, we talked about how the end times are gonna be like the times of Noah, like the times of Lot. We established uh, a pre-rapture teaching. Now, I know that there's those that don't believe in that, but that's what we're teaching from the platform. That's what I really feel is gonna happen. Um, And you know, as I said last week in heaven, you'll say that I was right. So, uh, but we do believe that Jesus is going to come before the tribulation period, and we established that last week. Now, understand that I, you know I'm, I'm doing a four week series, only thirty minutes a week, and that doesn't even come close to covering the amount of material that is out there on end time. So, I really encourage you uh, to do your own research, to do uh, to to look into it, and, and to find for yourself the piece that that I've been able to find, and many of us have been able to, been able to find about the end times. We have a series in the bookstore. It's called Signs. Uh, You can get a digital copy of it. You can get it on DVD. There's some great resources for you to where you can go ahead and go a little deeper when it comes to this teaching. But what we did establish hopefully last week is this is not anything to be afraid of. This is something that we should be excited for. If we are Christians, if we know Jesus, him coming back and these end times are something that we should be pumped about. The world could be going crazy, but God's touch and anointing and a cover on our life protects us. And we will be with him in heaven celebrating uh, when the world comes under wrath and judgment. So we need to be assured of that. Now, when we talk about that, it's interesting because a lot of people will say, well, if it's gonna happen in our generation, why us? Why did we get chosen? Why is this generation the one that may see the rapture happen? Well, we have to understand from the very beginning of creation, God allotted the amount of time that we would be here on this earth. From the very beginning of creation, and this is not arbitrary. It has nothing to do with what man has done. It was preplanned, predestined by the author of time himself. This is not because we are better or worse than any other generation. God has a master calendar and God has a master clock. And we may just happen to be the people alive when that time runs out. So let's look in scripture. Let's look at what Paul says when he starts describing what it's gonna look like in the end times. Second Peter chapter three, verse three. First, I wanna remind you that in the last days, there will be scoffers who will laugh at the truth and do every evil thing they desire. This will be their argument. Jesus promised to come back, did he? Then where is he? Why as far back as can, as, as anyone can remember, everything has remained exactly the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the word of his command and he brought the earth up from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the world with a mighty flood, talking about the time of Noah. And God has also commanded that the heavens and the earth will be consumed by fire on the, judgment, uh, on the day of judgment when ungodly people will perish. So he's talking about uh, towards the beginning of time and Noah, and then he's talking about the end of time. But you must not forget, dear friends, that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. So he starts to set up a godly calendar and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to return as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish. So he is giving more time for everyone to repent. So God is waiting as long as he possibly can before the rapture happens for our sake, for those that don't know him, for their sake, In this passage of scripture, Peter is reminding the readers of what the prophets said in the Old Testament. He goes into very specific prophecy that when the end times come, that there will be mockers, scoffers, making light of the signs of the end times. These are not godly people, understand that. These are immoral people mocking the signs, saying, we've been seeing these things for years. There's nothing different really going on. Peter then says that they will willfully reject the authority of the word of God and the warning concerning their judgment. They will willfully reject. They have made the decision that they will not listen to the word of God just like the days of Noah. That's what happened in the days of Noah. Noah tried to warn the people. Noah tried to tell the people what was coming. And he was trying to build an ark where people, other people could get on the boat with him, but nobody would listen. They willfully rejected. Then Peter says, remember this one thing, that to the Lord one day, is a thousand years, 1,000 years is as a day. Psalm 90 verse 4 says, for a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. What Peter is saying here is that God is not waiting arbitrarily to come back. God has a calendar, and he has been on that calendar since the beginning of time, and he is still on that calendar. And this is not a new teaching. This isn't just something that we've come up with in this generation. This has been taught by Hebrew scholars and rabbis for thousands of years. So, what is God's calendar? Isaiah 46, verse nine says, "'Remember the former things, those of long ago. "'I am God, and there is no other. "'I am God, and there is none like me. "'I make known the end from the beginning, "'and from ancient times what is still to come. "'I say my purpose will stand, "'and I will do what that I please.'" What Jewish rabbis teach, is that God revealed the end in Genesis chapter one. He revealed his calendar, which he counts time on in Genesis chapter one at the beginning. God does not want to do things in secret. He wants to do things in the light. Amos 3, 7 says, surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to uh, his servants, the prophets. The reason for Bible prophecy is that we will be prepared for all of these things and preparing at the very beginning. First Thessalonians 5, one through five says, now brothers about times and dates, we do not need to write you for, you know, very well, that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying peace and safety. In other words, everything is okay. Everything is fine. Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not uh, belong to the night or to the darkness. Did you ever realize that when the Bible talks um, and and he talks about coming as a thief in the night, scripture is talking about unbelievers. He's talking about unbelievers. Christ comes like a thief in the night to unbelievers, Not not to believers. Jesus doesn't come as a thief to us. According to scripture, we shouldn't live in darkness so that the day should overtake us like a thief. So it's not going to be like, and I think sometimes that's why people are scared. It's like the Bible says that he's going to come and it's going to be like a thief and thieves are scary. Not for us. Not for us, this is for those that don't believe. Now, let's look at God's calendar, God's 7,000-year prophetic calendar. We determined earlier from scripture that to God, a day is as a 1,000 years and a 1,000 years is his day. The calendar is set up on a seven-day week. God always counts time in sevens. This is established in Genesis. There were seven days in creation right? We read that from the very beginning. There are seven sabbatical years in Israel's calendar and still are today. And what that means is is that every seventh year, they were to let their land rest so that their soil could replenish itself. So that's what farmers did. They They would plant, they would work that land for six years, and then the seventh, they would let it rest to replenish. Scholars for many years have taught that the seven days of creation corresponds to 7,000 years of existence here on earth. This gets really interesting. God has always said that there's going to be 6,000 years of human history followed by a thousand year millennium where Christ will reign on earth. And we looked at that on the timeline. We looked at the fact that there's gonna be rapture. There's gonna be seven years of tribulation. At the end of that tribulation, we'll begin a thousand year reign of Jesus on earth. This is all set by God set by God from the beginning. Now let's look at this from a few different areas to prove God's plan and the seven year time clock. First, the seven days of creation and how they prophetically parallel each millennium of human history. This is so interesting. So the first day of creation parallels the first thousand years of human history and in the most important spiritual event that happened in the first thousand years. The second day of creation parallels the second thousand years of human history history, and the most important spiritual events that happen in the second thousand years of human history and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh. Every day of creation is going to parallel every thousand years of this prophetic grid. Let's look at that specifically. So what happened on day one? Well, On the first day of creation, the first day of the week, light was separated from darkness according to scripture in the first millennium, Adam's sins separate him from God's light. Light and dark were separated spiritually. So on the first day of creation, God creates, uh, God separates the light and the darkness. What was the most significant event that happened in the first thousand years of human history? Adam and Eve sinned. Then spiritual light and dark were separated. That was day one. That was the first millennium. Day two, on the second day, there, were a, there was a separation from the waters above and below. In the second millennium, the waters above and below are used in judgment in Noah's flood and then separated again. I don't think anybody would argue that the most significant event uh, in the second millennium was what happened with the flood. In other words, the second thousand years of human history, there was a spiritual parallel between the second day of creation God brought the waters together, flooded the earth and then separated them again, just like he did the second day of creation. Day three, on the third day, plants yielding, plants yielding seed were created and filled the world with life. And in the third millennium, a promise was made to Abraham that through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Day four, on the fourth day, the lights in heaven were created. In the fourth millennium, prophets were given as lights to Israel and Jesus came as the light of the world. Day five, on the fifth day, living creatures were created. The fifth millennium, Jesus died that we might become new creatures, inheriting eternal life. Day six, On the sixth sixth day, which parallels the millennium that we're living in right now, man was created and was told to fill the earth and to subdue it. The sixth millennium, man uh, man has filled the earth and has subdued it. What God commanded Adam and Eve to do in Genesis chapter one, we have done in the last thousand years. Now, day seven. On day seventh, on that seventh day, God, rested. In the seventh millennium, the earth will be restored and mankind will rest as Jesus rules for a thousand years. Now, do you think that when God created the earth, that he needed seven days? Do you think he was like, ah, oh, is going to take a little, it's going to take some time. I need to take seven days. And then at the end of the seven, at the end of six days, I'm going to be so tired. I'm going to be exhausted. So I'm going to be, I'm going to need, I'm gonna need a seventh day to rest. Do you think God really needed to do that? No, he does this as a sign to us. He's setting up from the beginning what our time on earth will look like and what what it will look like at the end. Now, here's proof of that thousand year reign or millennium that we talked about, which is the seventh day or seventh uh, thousand year period. Revelations chapter 20, verses one through six. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, the ancient, ancient servant, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the the word of God. They had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. Now, this is what's gonna happen or these people are, uh, this look is what is happening to people or will happen to people in the tribulation. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now, we know without question, the last thousand years of human history is the millennial rule of Jesus Christ. As I've said, we're living pre-rapture. The next major prophetic event that's gonna happen on this earth is the rapture. There will be then a seven-year tribulation. I always get to ask this question. So we're raptured. The seven-year tribulation happens. What do we do? Where do we go? Do we just wait? In fact, there was a a little bit of confusion last week when I was talking about that uh, when the rapture happens, that the dead will rise first and then we will rise afterwards. Understand that just means that their body will rise anybody that has died that knows Jesus before Jesus, before the rapture happens, their spirit goes to heaven or this present heaven, which I'll always get questions about this the last week and what that really means. But yes, if you, if your uh, uh, friends and loved ones knew Jesus, they received him as their savior and they have passed on, they are with Jesus now. And then when we're raptured, those that die, have died in Christ will go first. We will go right after them with all within a 140th of a second period. And then while the rest of the world is experiencing judgment, we will be experiencing a seven-year wedding celebration with our groom. So good. Now know this, this is the kind of wedding reception you wanna go to, Okay. This is fun. And you can kind of think about the, you know, there's times where you go to weddings and wedding receptions, and let's just be honest, it's obligatory. You're going, you may not know very many people, and so it kind of draws on. But then there are those wedding receptions where you go and you have a Blast. And there is a DJ and you are dancing and you just don't want that party to end. That is the way this reception is going to be. It is going to be a seven-year party where we are with our heavenly father as the, as the church. We are the bride and he is the groom. And it is going to be, in, it's gonna be incredible. Jesus then, uh, or actually, and here's another parallel, which I'm just gonna throw this in just really, really quick. But you understand that a Jewish wedding is seven days long, okay? And if you really wanna study a Jewish wedding, it parallels the timeline so beautifully. Once again, God is trying to show us what's gonna happen even through the way the Hebrews celebrate weddings. Now, after the wedding party, and you can read what, more about that in, in, in the account of that is in Revelations chapter 20 and chapter 21 if you wanna read more about it. But after the wedding party, we will return with him in battle, okay? So we will return at the battle of Armageddon with Christ. Now I always get the question, does that mean we're gonna carry a sword? I mean, are we gonna, are we gonna be like angels and we're gonna have like AKs and, you know, and ARs and we're gonna go and destroy all the bad people? Do you really think God needs our help No, he's he's not counting on Fellowship Church to to watch his flank so he doesn't get hit. What that just means is is that we're gonna be with him and we're gonna be a part of his army, but he is the one that's actually gonna defeat uh, Satan and all those that are fighting uh, with him. Jesus then slays the Antichrist, the false prophet, and uh, and then casts Satan into the bottomless pit. And he binds Satan for a 1,000 years. Say, so while we are uh, celebrating in, in, in the millennium and we get to be uh, uh, in a paradise here on earth, we don't have to worry about Satan. We don't have to worry about him messing with us. We don't have to worry about uh, temptation, none of that. And then he sets up his millennial kingdom, which we will rule and reign with him, which is so cool. And at the end of the thousand years, Satan is loosed and there will be mortals on the earth that live through the tribulation that get to experience the millennium. And so what God wants is he wants those that have lived through the, the, the tribulation and have made it into the millennium, he wants them to have the same choice we had a free will choice to choose him over the devil. And so at that point, the devil is gonna be loosed for a very short period of time to be able to tempt these people. And surprisingly enough, there will be a group of those people that at the end of the thousand years will go to Jerusalem and they try to kill Christ. Jesus slays all them and then sets up the great white throne of judgment and judges all the dead from the very beginning of time. This is the final judgment before the unbelievers are cast into the lake of fire. Then the heavens and the earth are destroyed by fire. This is what Peter is talking about in uh, 2 Peter chapter three. And then God creates a new heaven and a new earth. Now, here's another way we can prove it. By counting the calendar years in light of the end, uh, end times events that are ca- occurring today. So by counting the calendar years in the light of the end times events that are occurring today. If, there's a, if there's, there are 7,000 years total, and we have been around for about 6,000 years, then we should be able to figure out where we are in the timeline. Well, the Gregorian calendar, which is the calendar that we follow, says that we are in the year 2022. We have a solar calendar and Israel has a lunar calendar. Now, how many years were there before Jesus? Well, thankfully in Luke chapter three, there's a genealogy that goes from Jesus all the way back to Adam. We know exactly how many generations were between Jesus and Adam. By scholars, uh, a Bible scholars say there were 4,000 years in the Old Testament. 4,000 years before Christ, 2,000 years after Christ equals 6,000 years. We're supposed to be around the year 6,000 according to the Gregorian calendar. Now, you can also prove this by researching the Jewish lunar calendar. And there's people that have done this painstakingly. And so if you want to look, you can find some great information on that as well. And then here's a third way to prove it. By other prophetic symbols in scripture, Noah and his direct connection to the end according to Jesus. Once again, looking at Noah. I love this, it's so cool. Luke chapter 17, verse 26 says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will be in the days of the Son of Man. We Read that last week. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Jesus draws a direct parallel from the time of Noah to when he will come again. Noah lived to be 950 years old. 950, I'm 52, I, don't, I wouldn't wanna live another 50, 50 years. 950 years uh, Noah was on the earth, according to Genesis chapter nine, verse 29. Jesus draws the parallel between him coming back and Noah. When God put Noah on the ark, he had a lot of years to choose from, didn't he? He had a lot of years. He could have said, I'm gonna put him on the ark when he's 125 years old. He could have said, I'm gonna put him on the ark when he's 235 years old, or I'm gonna put him on the ark when he's 800 years old. But this is what Genesis 7, 6 says. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. Genesis 7, 11 through 12 says, in the 600th year of Noah's life, on the seventh day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of heavens were opened and the rain fell on the earth for 40 days and for 40 nights. Jesus said it will be as the days of Noah. Out of 950 years that God had to put Noah and his family on the ark, he put them on the ark when he was 600 years old. Him being 600 years old is a symbol of the 6,000 years of human history. And there's a lot of scholars who believe that this is symbolic of the fact that Jesus is returning in the year 6,000 or around the year 6,000. Isn't that interesting? Here's another parallel. Jesus at the, at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. Remember that Isaiah 46 says that God declares the end from the beginning. And this is the first day of Jesus's ministry. This is the day Mary tells him he's got to create wine. So the very first day, that Jesus started to minister, we read this account, John chapter two, verse six. Six stone water pots were standing there. They were used for Jewish ceremonial purposes and held 20 to 30 gallons each. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars of water. Then the jars had been filled to the brim. He said, dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So they followed uh, his instructions. So they're all at a wedding, they run out of wine, Jesus takes this water, he makes it into wine. And then he said, I want you to bring a little bit to the master of ceremonies." So with Jewish weddings and with Jewish receptions, there's always a master of ceremonies that kind of runs things, that kind of runs the party. When the master of ceremonies uh, tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over, Usually a host serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone is full and doesn't care, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best till now. Okay, so, so he's saying uh, uh, the bad wine, you serve at the end when nobody cares. Why are you saving the best to last? This, this was good wine. This miraculous sign, verse 11, this, the, NIV, the NIV says, the beginning of signs at Cana in Galilee was Jesus's first display of his glory. And his disciples believed him. He's at a family wedding with his mother and they run out of wine. So Mary comes to Jesus and says, we've run out of wine. And Jesus says, well, what am I to do? And rather than ask him again, she told him. She then turned to the servants and said, do what he tells you to do. Mary knew who to go to. He, she knew that Jesus could make some groceries, right? She knew it. So Jesus said, fill up the water pots with water. He then turns the water to wine. And it's not only wine, but it's the good stuff. And we know this because of the comment of the the master of ceremonies, the one that was running the show. Now let's look at this closer. How many water pots were there? Why were there six water pots? There could have been four. There could have been eight. There could have been 10. Yet, there were six water pots. It's interesting that he uses six water pots and he does that because it's symbolic of the 6,000 years that we're gonna be here on earth. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, what is he doing? He was at a wedding serving heaven's wine. What does Jesus do at the very end of his ministry when he, when he raptures us to be with him? He's at a wedding serving, at a wedding serving heaven's wine. Matthew 26, nine through 30 Mark my words, Jesus said, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. This is symbolic that when 6,000 years have been fulfilled, we will be at a wedding drinking heaven's wine with Jesus. Isn't that cool? Now, I'm sure for those of you that have a Baptist background, they'll have grape juice or something for you. <laughs> <laughs> but for us, we're drinking the wine, right? Right? Now, when we, uh, when we say we're living in the end times, we're not just saying that for dramatic flair. When you look at the time, it points to the end. God set 6,000 years from the beginning with a thousand year millennium. The time is right here. The time is right now. So what does that mean for us? That means that we need to do our best to make sure that those that are around us know Jesus. We wanna have everybody at the party we wanna have all those that we love and that we, we, we cherish their relationships. We, we wanna have as many people knowing Christ as we possibly can. So we need to be praying on a daily basis. Lord, give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity to share you with others. Give me an opportunity to ask someone to church and, and, and to have them see what I've seen through the life of the bride of Christ. Give me an opportunity, soften the hearts of the people that are around me. Because here's the thing, we know people that don't know Jesus and we know how hard their hearts are. So we need to pray, God, soften their hearts, help them to to see uh, uh, the truth, help help something to happen in their life where, where they might be teachable. And know this, there's some people that have such a hardened heart, it will take the tribulation to soften them. And we know that there are gonna be thousands, of pe- thousands upon thousands of millions upon millions of people that are saved during the tribulation because the Bible says that from a prophetic standpoint, John sees uh, Jesus and Jesus is talking about those that get saved during that seven-year period. And, and he says that it's like the, the sand on a, on a seashore. You couldn't count how many people will get saved uh, during the tribulation period. So it, it can happen, but it can happen the easy way. <laughs> or it can happen the hard way. And I think we all know people that have to experience everything before they learn. And and for them, you know, it might take the tribulation to turn them around. But if we can pray in advance for people to soften their hearts and that God would would touch them, the Holy Spirit would touch them and they might receive Christ uh, before uh, the rapture comes, then they will be able to experience the rapture and that wedding feast the way that we will. But for you, Let's say you're coming, maybe somebody invited you to fellowship and you're like, well, I, I don't wanna be left behind. I don't want to be in a situation where I, I, I have to stay and, and live through this wrath that's gonna happen for seven years on this earth. Then let me help you understand that the only way that you can keep from going through that is by receiving him as your personal savior. And I wanna uh, just lead you in in a prayer right now where you will be introduced to Jesus. And once you do that, you will be assured that you will be with us at that wedding feast. So whether you are uh, in the auditorium with us today, or maybe you're watching from home and you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, um, you're curious, you're here seeking. And and the Bible says, uh, if you seek, you will find. If you will knock at the door, it will be opened unto you. And I just want to ask you now, if you would trust the Lord enough, if you trust me enough to lead you in a prayer where you will be introduced with Jesus. And I, if you are with me at home, or if you're uh, here in the auditorium, if you will say this and repeat this with me all together as a group, uh, so that those around you may feel more comfortable in receiving Jesus as their personal savior. If you'll just repeat after me, Dear Jesus, I ask right now that you would forgive me of my sins. I recognize you as the son of God and I receive you into my heart as my personal savior. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that I get to experience heaven with you. I pray these things in your name. Now, if that's the first time you've ever said that prayer, make sure you tell somebody around you. Make sure the Bible talks about the fact that when we receive him for the first time that we need to made it, make it known. And maybe you're watching online and, and you, uh, uh, you, you just said that prayer for the first time. You can text heaven with your smartphone to 94,000. And when you do that, we will get you some information, uh, get you some discipleship stuff that will bless you. Uh, if, you're, if you're here with us in the service, you can do the same thing or swing by our information counter. We would love to get you some discipleship material to help you on your journey with Jesus. You got reintroduced to him this morning. Now the best parts are coming. You get to do life with him. God bless you guys. Don't miss next week. We're gonna be talking about current events, the things that are happening right now. We're gonna be talking about Ukraine and Russia. We're gonna be talking about cancel culture, the pandemic and how all those things relate over and were predicted in prophecy. God bless you guys. Have a great week.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text fellowship to 94,000 to connect with one of our staff. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94,000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. As always, we are just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.